to the first podcast episode of Building the Board as myself, Robert Schmitz, and Quentin Crisco, who's sitting across from me in a hotel in Mobile, Alabama, are going to take you through day one of our Senior Bowl recap, if you will, because we just got done with the first day of practice. We're still putting together our draft board itself, but we wanted to recap the Senior Bowl while still giving a perspective of how this probably affects the Bears draft process. And I mean, speaking of Q, what a better time to be talking about the Bears draft process than coming right off of Luke Getze's first practice as a head coach, which seemed to have Matty Rufloos, Ian Cunningham, the entire Bears scouting department, or at least pieces of it were probably there, mm-hmm. and Ryan Poles himself, like everybody showed out for Chicago today. What was your general impression of your first day in Mobile? The sun is hot. there's a beating out there we were expecting overcast and i was like i don't need sunscreen it's gonna be gonna be like cloudy and rainy there all week i needed sunscreen yeah but from a football standpoint i mean it was it was a blast I, Mm -hmm. i i really enjoyed watching these guys play ball um loved being in person seeing the one on one stuff on the o line d line i thought there was so much to gain with that um even if like something that we've talked about, like when you're an interior offensive lineman, one-on-ones do not do you justice. No, because so much of what I value in an interior offensive lineman is how they find a way to get their block towards the help. Because so much of their job, it's a three-man job there in the middle. It's not a one-man job, and they need to be able to lean on and find their help when they need it. And in one-on-one, there is no help. It's just you're on an island, and that's a tackle assessment. But there's still stuff to be gained from seeing how they do there. And I, I think it's extremely valuable to see and a lot of fun to be at. And just talk football with a bunch of people who also love Oh, absolutely. But let's let's start from the top. Like, let's not go through players just yet. We will get there, dear listener. But Q, let me put throw it to you, and then I'll give you my opinion. What do you think the Senior Bowl is good for from an evaluation perspective? And what do you feel like the Senior Bowl isn't good for from an evaluation perspective? So what it is good for, I mean, I got four or five guys who I never heard of before today that I've written down that I said, I, I need to find out who these guys are. And whether what I saw today is real, whether it's sustainable, whether it's something they've been doing for three years. And that is something that for these these guys, especially out of some of these smaller schools, it's great to get them that exposure, that type, that practice play, those practice reps around in front of scouts, around coaches who are at the NFL level and putting them on the radar across the league. Um, what it's not good for, I know that Darnell Wright's a first-round talent. You know it. We both know that Dewan Jones is the longest, strongest man alive, and nobody's really getting by him very often. I'm not. I mean, there, there's not a lot to learn about those guys. So mm-hmm. they're out there doing what they do, and I love to see it. But they're not. They're not guys who I'm here to watch a whole lot of reps of. 
Right. And I'll tell you that on the receiving end, so uh, you did offensive line, defensive line. Ironically, both of us, in terms of building the board, are watching tight ends, and neither of us focused on (laughs) tight ends today because I watched corners and receivers. That's obviously going to get a lot of talk, and I wanted to at least get a feel for what things looked like in Mobile. And one thing that's neat about the Senior Bowl, what's it good for, is that you can take guys like Dontavion Wicks that hated their 2022 offense, guys like Jaden Reed that did not get great quarterback play around them during his time at Michigan State. Guys like Rashi Rice in, dare I say, gimmick offenses. Not gimmick, but whatever the opposite of pro style is. Offense is so skewed towards college. Michael Wilson and Elijah Higgins, another great example. Stanford runs those walking RPOs, and uh, SMU runs that like extreme Art Bryles-style offense. I want a better name for it. Maybe we'll call it the Sonny Dykes-style offense, but Dykes isn't the one running it, where you get... Half the receivers are trying and half the receivers are not. It's like a prescribed pick-a-side read where the other side takes a break and it keeps your on-field receivers fresh. You can take those receivers and corners out of whatever defense they play in. So now you don't, if you're in a line eye corner, you don't get Sidney Brown and you don't have Devin Witherspoon backing you up. You don't have the scheme around you to protect you for better or for worse. And in the receiver side of things, if you hated your offense, now let's do something vanilla and see what works. The problem is, as I think we, I'll, I'll start with the one player that I think I've seen st- is standing out most on Twitter, and I hate to immediately start by being a downer. Trust me, I've got plenty of players that I want to just brag and rave about, but there's a lot of conversation about Nathaniel Tank Dell out of Houston. He's measured 5'8", 163, and he was agile as all get out, Q. I mean, in his one-on-ones with the American team, he was quick in and out of his breaks. He looked fluid. He was better than every other receiver today. Let's get that stated. I mean, if there's a wide receiver winner, it's it's Tank Dell. The problem is, is that he won those in these one-on-one receiver reps that, listener, if you can envision what we're looking at, this is a football practice field where they have lined up Tank Dell on the outside against 6'4 Julius Brents or uh, 6'2 Tyreek Stevenson or 6'2 Rez John Wright or 6'0 Darius Rush. And he's, again, 5'8", 163. And so when he runs a curl or an in route, yes, he gains tons of separation, but no defensive coordinator in their right mind would ever play him this way in 11-on-11 football with all that space around him. And no offensive coordinator would ever play him outside of the slot. So it's going to be a very different defensive back matchup. And when he got into 11-on-11s, suddenly Jay Ward and a couple of the other nickel corner or safety types, I I won't say they were locking him down. It's just that that physical agility is very similar to Calvin Austin last year. And Calvin Austin didn't make much of a footprint in, uh, in Pittsburgh because as Chicago Football Connection mentioned on Twitter, receivers under 5'10", and under 165 pounds since 2000 have combined for 19 catches, 304 yards, and one touchdown. I mean, the trouble here, Q, is we've got to pick apart, and you and I have to sift through, what do these reps matter? What do these reps don't? What do these one-on-ones mean? What don't they mean? What matters in the team drills? What doesn't matter in the team drills? And everything in between. And with that said, let's talk through some players we liked, some players we didn't, and where we think the Bears' heads are at and how their board shifted. You go ahead and open up. Where do you think 
the biggest impact was made. And if you don't mind me picking the position for you, specifically at defensive end, because if for whatever reason the Bears don't land a defensive end, they easily could look for one in the early second round or the early third round or any pick in the middle, because God knows we don't know what they're going to get in a trade back. Who do you think established themselves as a potential floose 4-3 defensive end that the Bears might have their eye on? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Keon Jones, Jones, is that right? He, uh, out of Georgia Tech, um, Keon White. Keon White. Keon White. Keon White really showed out in the first the first portion of practice today, the American side. And his explosiveness showed on tape. It showed just as much here. And he, he is, you know, on tape, We saw. I saw he was thick, good, strong build that shows out even more in person. I mean, he's a guy who will hold up as a 4-3 defensive end against the run. His strength really was on display today more than I had seen on his tape. And he's a guy who probably moved himself up the board, assuming he can, can continue this type of performance. Um, one guy who was really interesting in the defensive ends to me was Yaya Diaby okay. out of Louisville. Um, he was taking a lot of reps and even the warmups and everything with the interior defensive line. And he's, I'm not sure what he's listed at there, but he was, I want to say 270, 280 pounds. Okay. He's not an interior defender by build. He is a, he is a, he looks like a four, three defensive end. Right. Um, but I'm not sure if he was doing that for versatility reasons or what I, in one-on-ones, I saw a guy who. It validated some of the film of this guy is fast, strong, big, maybe not the best around the corner. You know, he's not going to bend bend you way back like Gumby, but he's a guy who is going to serve a role there in the 4-3 defense to fill a gap right. and get a little pass rush in the process. Uh, so those are two guys who I really thought stood out a little bit. I am... I am still trying to figure out what I think of Will McDonald because, <laughs> oh my God, there were some reps today where it was like, how is this guy doing this? He's 230 pounds. Probably two, I think he's weighed in 227 for this. And there were plays where he was out leveraging offensive tackles and getting under him, pushing him back, cutting it into a spin move, tying it, like tying a bull rush to a spin move. That is a it came, it came off the ball low. Yeah, it was like, and I think the tackle recovered well, but just the fact that he could do it was right. like, I like this guy, and he's not even. He, I don't even think he can fit, but I like him a lot. Right. So like, it's still I'm I'm not closed off to the idea that this guy can fit somewhere, but he has to add weight if that's the case. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what's so complicated about this. I know a name that we were able to listen to him in the press room before we were able to go to practice. Isaiah Foskey's a name that popped up to me. Look, I haven't watched near as many defensive linemen as you have. I just haven't had the time yet. I've been focusing on receiver, corner, safety, tight end, right? Uh, But Foskey with 262 as his natural weight at Notre Dame makes a lot of sense. Maybe a lighter defensive end, but a defensive end all the same. It seemed like he had a pretty decent day, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Foskey actually, I probably under underrate how much that he might have moved on a board because he's pretty high on my board to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I looked at his tape and said, 
why isn't he talked about more? You know? Right. So to me, coming in, watching him today was this guy's doing what I, what he's supposed to do. The Darnell Wright thing yeah. we talked about. Yeah. But, I mean, he did look very good today, especially in full team. He made some plays that were very impressive. Um, in the one-on-ones, I didn't notice him as much, but also I was trying to get my way over to where I could even see the one-on-ones, so I probably missed some reps. Um, and I don't remember seeing him warm up. He might have been with the linebackers. Might have been. He, You know what? Because I don't think I saw him with the one-on-ones at all. He was probably with the linebackers for a lot of today for until team when he came into more of the pass rusher role. And I mean, what's so weird about those one-on-ones, there's nobody that got more famous for his one-on-ones last year at the Senior Bowl than Trevor Penning. And if you know somebody, name them, because you might be right. But I don't remember quite how Penning played in New Orleans. If you do, thank you. But He was angry. I know that. (laughs) Neat. Good. But it's funny looking at some of these one-on-ones because, I mean, I, I hate to sound pretentious, Q. It's not football. Like, you talked about this on our drive over, that an interior offensive lineman will occasionally lose an interior pass rush one-on-one because their muscle memory guides them into help, and then that defensive player keeps working, gets to the quarterback, but especially in real football, I mean, sometimes that stopwatch runs for four seconds, and it still gets credited as a defensive win, and the ball should be out, you know, unless you're on the Bears, but that's a tongue-in-cheek yeah. Justin Fields joke that we don't need to rehash. If an offensive guard is looking that good in one-on-ones, he should be a tackle. Right, exactly. And there's a ton of this stuff. I mean, okay, so let's flip it onto offensive line. We have to talk at least a little bit about Dewan Jones, but like you mentioned, the little I saw of him looked exactly like he looked on, or on Ohio State. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of people that have looked at his raw size and have discounted that this guy can play at an NFL level because the way I keep telling people, he may be a gimmick player, but he may be one of the best gimmick offensive linemen in football because yeah. it's a first contact league and with an almost six or seven six wingspan, like a seven foot six person's natural wingspan. We're talking about a six eight guy whose arms hang down to his knees just yeah. about. He's winning first contact. And yeah. I mean, the every once so often I was able to peek over, it looked to me like he was just stuffing people like normal, right? Yeah. I mean, so there was one rep that I saw in one-on-ones where he gave up the inside shoulder and the guy was able to get it, but there's always a but with him. He smacked the guy in the side and sent him on his butt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the guy flew into the pocket on his butt, but like, it was still like, he just lost a rep, but I don't know if I can call that a loss. Right. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, Dewan Jones looked like look like we wanted him to. I mean, he his length, his his hands are down to his knees. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's insane and that power just shows out his dominant power and we saw that today and I mean, his feet were fine. He's not he's never going to be fast but they were good enough for what he does. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I love Darnell Wright. You're, it, there are probably bigger Darnell Wright fans just yeah. because that's how that's how these things work. I would argue that Dwan Jones's feet are often better than Darnell Wright's. Yeah. Like, Darnell Wright's pretty slow-footed, and for as big as Dwan Jones is, he can move. But he can't be the only tackle that stood out to you, tackle or guard. Like, you tell me, who who would you say the senior bowl pushed up your board and why? Matthew Bergeron. 
Matthew Berge, like coming into today, I liked Bergeron. Didn't love him. I thought this is a guy who can probably be something pretty good in the NFL. But he opened up one-on-ones looking like a dude. Like he was just doing great stuff out there, stonewalling guys. And that is not something that I really saw in his film, which is interesting. It makes me sad. I probably need to go watch some more games of him. But he he is someone who really upped his stock today in my book. Um, him and I think Wanya Morris made, made a statement today. And I, I talked to uh, Wanya Morris a little bit after the practice and asked him about looking at his Tennessee tape versus Oklahoma tape. It looked like he lost a little weight, lost, uh, got a bit more athletic, a bit easier of a mover and a bit quicker. And he said, yeah, I mean, I, I well, he chuckled at first when I said that. And then he said, yeah, I cut some baby weight and the Oklahoma trainers were a huge help. They, they really just got me, got me on the right path with it and helped me a lot. That's huge. Yeah. And when, especially because the Bears' needs at offensive line are a little obvious, right? The question for me is going to be where? in the Bears draft. And we've got months to talk about this, I know, but I know that there's one player that I just have to bring up and ask you about because when I watched the tape, Cody Mock looked like the prototypical Packers offensive lineman. It doesn't mean I know where to put him because he's got relatively short arms. He doesn't really know how to use his arms. And in fact, at the FCS level, really dominated using his legs and throwing his chest into guys. Today, what did you see from a guy who shifted from tackle? And he played mostly on the interior, right? Or did he play a little bit of left tackle too? I saw him mostly on the interior today. And that doesn't mean that he was entirely on the interior, but that's what I saw mm-hmm. when, when I was able to get a good viewpoint of it. Right. Um, so, Mock looked like he blocked today. And I thought he was making a point to try to use his hands, which was something that, like you said, wasn't very evident in his tape in college. It see especially in pass pro, it seemed like he was there was a real effort to say, I can use my hands, which sounds <laughs> funny saying out loud. It does, but, right? Um and he he belonged today. His athleticism was on display. He can move, he can his his ability to recover with his feet is something that is probably at the top of this class as far as mm-hmm. an offensive lineman goes. He can a guy can get by him and he can catch up. That's rare. You he's, know? he's probably one of the most remarkable athletes at offensive line. I mean, yeah. there are some 270-pound tight ends. I hate to call out my guide, to, uh, like Payne Durham, but I think Cody Mock might move better than Payne Durham, and he's about 40 pounds heavier. Yeah. Like, I mean, his athleticism in that lower half is flat-out remarkable. It's just a question of how are you, do you think you've got Alex Kappa on your hands, or do you think that you've got the next in a long line of small school offensive linemen that come to the NFL and get throttled? I mean, especially when you're talking about a team that wants to rally around its quarterback as quickly as possible. We're not in the position of grades, but is there anybody before we shift to corners and uh, receivers, whether it's tight ends, whether it's offensive linemen, whether it's defensive linemen? I don't know if I let you give interior defensive line enough shine just yet but anybody that you haven't mentioned or and maybe and or anybody that actually moved down your board today and you're looking for different tomorrow so on the interior d-line keanu benton he showed a lot to me today i mean he 
in the first the first practice, the American team practice, he was clearly the best defensive lineman on the field. And that was something that was awesome to see from a guy who, you know, really didn't get the shine at Wisconsin of being as good as he probably was. Like when, when I look at his tape, I see someone who was probably not getting enough attention. And his ability as a pass rusher is something that showed more here than what we really saw at Wisconsin. We saw it at Wisconsin in flashes. You know, there, there were moments where he went, wait, what did he just do? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't frequent. And I think part of that is because of what they were asking him to do, play, playing more zero tech, one tech. And today he, he showed some very nice pass rush chops. And it's something that I think is going to move him up my board and a lot of boards. Mm-hmm. And let's see who else might have moved up the board. Um, Blake Freeland. Okay. Break, break, Blake Freeland. I mean, I need to see more because he did have his losses today, mm-hmm. but his wins were more impressive than what I had seen on tape previously as far as his foot speed and ability to recover. Um, he just generally looked more athletic than what I saw on film previously, which is. For a guy who's six foot eight, that's a big deal because mm-hmm. six foot eight with length and power. I mean, not Dewan Jones' length and power. No, I, but, of course. <laughs> but still, for him to show a bit more athleticism than I thought he had, he has the potential to move up if he keeps showing it. And um, there are probably a few other guys that I can't think of off the top of my head because they're just numbers on my sheet. Right. But that uh, Zach Pickens showed some today, but he was probably fairly high on the board as it was just based on pure talent. And then, yeah, I think that about covers it for me. Who sticks out to you as the best Bears fits of the guys that you've talked about? I think Matt Bergeron is a – I mean, he is becoming an ideal fit for the Bears. Really? As an offensive tackle, I think. Because I think he's a great zone scheme player. And if he keeps showing the chops that he showed in one-on-ones, I mean, I, I think you're talking about a guy who can be an outstanding pass protector along with a scheme fit in the run game. And I don't know if there's another guy I can name that's a great pass protector in this draft and a great scheme fit in the run game. No, no, not many. I mean, I know John Michael Schmitz is a name that's gotten thrown around an awful lot. Yeah. And, and uh, Michael Schmitz is a guy who I had only seen 21 tape mm-hmm. coming into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little 22, but not much. And because it, it was hard to find. Right. And he showed more today than what I saw in his 21 tape. Okay. Like, he, he won a fair amount of reps. There were some reps I was still knocking him on, but he was definitely better than what I had him graded as. So he's also a guy who was probably moving up the board for me. Um, but yeah, at, at, that's at center, at tackle. I'm not sure there's a <laughs> another guy that's really a better fit than Bergeron off the top of my head at least. Okay. Other than, I mean, Paris Jones, but what isn't a Paris Jones a fit for? Right. Um, and then... See, anyone move down my board, this this hurts and it's pending. But uh, I, I got to see Jarrett Patterson bounce back well tomorrow. Cause, and, and he had – I had – because uh, I'm a bit I, – I like Jarrett Patterson a lot. Mm-hmm. I liked his tape a lot. And today I had him marked down for the most 
good plays. Right. But I also had Mark down for the most bad plays. So I need him to show up with less of those bad plays tomorrow, even if it means less of the good plays. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if he's just walking the line of doing his job more often, I'll be happier and be more capable of leaving him where he is on my board. But if he if he's showing those rough plays that often again, it, it starts to become a real question of can he stay this high on my board? Absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't help anything that the tape that you've shown me that you really, really like of Jarrett Patterson as at center. And yeah. he lined up today exclusively at guard, yeah. mirroring his 2022 season. And if that's, I mean, look, obviously not everything that coaches do is just always good take a look at duke shelley in chicago for years and immediately bouncing back on the vikings like it's it's not that simple but this is the time to market yourself like you would expect the senior bowl to be where if Jarrett patterson thinks he got robbed by getting moved off of center that he would move back so if he's choosing guard it's a little curious because yeah. i think that's the inferior season of the two but like you said hey at the end of the day can't emphasize enough no matter what we say about the senior bowl these are very incremental changes these are in a in a word this is the first half of a first quarter's worth of tape Maybe, if yeah. that. I mean, it's a couple reps here and there. It's better, right, for yeah. question answering than it is for definitive statements about exactly yeah. who a player is, barring the guys like Benton that just look better than everybody else, yeah. right? Like, especially when you get into the minutia of it, it starts to become just a question of what are we really looking at yeah. and are we making sure we see it right? Yeah. Anybody else you can think of before we go to break? Uh, no, I think I'm. I think that covers it for me. Awesome. Perfect. Well, in that case, we'll let the sponsors get a word in. We'll come back. I'll talk through some wide receivers and some defensive backs, and we'll talk through a couple other players that we're looking to look through as the week goes on. It's all coming back at you on the other half of Building the Board. And we are back. It's myself, Robert Schmitz, and Quentin Crisco here talking through the Chicago Bears draft board as we de are defining it on building the board and specifically day one of the Senior Bowl. So I want to take you through a couple of my observations and wide receiver DBs. And Q, feel free to jump in whenever you want because I know it's fun to watch receivers, right? It's specifically on the board, I'm covering uh, corners, safeties, and tight ends. But the irony is you can't know how these corners are performing without knowing the wide receivers which threw me into the wide receiver tape and I'll tell you what there were some guys that performed just like I would have expected them to some guys that performed better and some guys we need to talk about I think on the national side because they were the first practice I've got everything really well uh, delineated between the two Jaden Reed stuck out from Michigan State that's a he measured at five or that's five ten and a half 191. So you're probably looking at a Z receiver, but he would not be denied. His defining trait, if he has one, is foot frequency, and he was a blur. Not because he was faster than everybody, but for the reps that maybe you caught, and if not, I'll describe them to you, it's that he can break left and break back to his right much faster than a common defensive back can break right and then follow back to his left. He's a nightmare in terms of his overall competitiveness. He plays like he won 
wants to beat you. He doesn't play like he wants to, oh, I want to win, right? He plays like he's got a problem with you. Yeah. It, it's that Anthony Miller swagger that made the pick so fun at the time. And that, and that's part of why I wanted to bring it up, right? Yeah. But he's a player that I already liked going into the uh, Senior Bowl, and he just popped. Michael Wilson's another name that I thought looked really, really athletic, though I think he's got some major technical refinement that he just has to go through. He's not approaching contact particularly well, and it's not actually... It's not the normal problem. Like Andre Yoshivas, the Princeton kid that we'll talk about in a little while, yeah. he had a rep where Julius Brents put a hand into his chest and just, I mean, blew him off balance. Like he didn't repossess his body for about a second and a half, which is, in a word, unacceptable. I mean, that's that's just getting whooped. It's Andre Yoshivas is the guy who you're going to give a massive learning curve. He's coming from the Ivy League. He's a track guy. Yeah. This is new to him. With Wilson, he doesn't get thumped at the point of attack. That's not the issue. The issue is he tries so hard to fight the guy off that he spends too much time doing it. And there's a lot of wonderful, sudden, jagged motion in Wilson's game. And I would argue there's a lot of wasted motion too. And I think if he gets a receiver's coach that's particularly good, they'll be able to refine a little bit of that and keep the good stuff and lose the bad stuff. It's also good to see him healthy again because he's missed now the entire 2021 season. He missed a good chunk of the 2022 season. Uh, The first one was some kind of ligament issue. I'd, I'd need my notes, but I don't have them handy. And the other one was a foot issue of some kind i believe um so not great but a receiver that could potentially fall the weird part about talking about receiver that i just want to address the elephant of the room with um is that q the bears probably aren't looking to draft a receiver outside of the first what do you think 40 picks i mean the weird part about where the bears receiving room right now is is that you've got a hole at wide receiver one you've got darnell mooney as the de facto wide receiver two chase claypool let's stick him at wide receiver three for now the bears are almost assuredly going to sign a free agent wide receiver and that free agent Though I like Velas is going to be a more pure receiver, so he's going to take that wide receiver four slot. Then you got Velas Jones, uh, who's not going to get cut anytime soon. And a gadget you, guy, sure. Consumer. My the the Miko Hardman role at his absolute best, yeah, or Cordero Patterson. That's a great way to put it. Per, like it, it's the gadget guy, but a lot of these good teams have a gadget guy. And then you got ESB, who is your prototypical special teamer plus depth receiver. Look, I'm willing to believe that they might cut. Equinamius St. Brown, but this is actually a wide receiver room with a lot of bodies and dare I say a decent amount of investment. Especially if you extend Mooney, you're talking about a guy you traded the number 32 pick for, a free agent you just paid, a third round pick you just drafted, and a guy you just extended. Like Mm -hmm. those, that core four where there is a hole at the front right makes it hard to draft a third round receiver or a fourth round receiver like a Jaden Reed or a Michael Wilson and yeah. so it just it just colors the lines a little weird like yeah i could tell you that Puka Nasua looked pretty solid right yeah. but there are some of these receivers that are just going to wear other uniforms yeah. because of necessity you know what i mean yeah well and i mean you draft a receiver in the 4th 5th round and you say well he's easily better than EQ Right? Right. But can that receiver play special teams? EQ can be a core four special teamer, right? Right. I mean, th- that's a, that's going to matter. As much as, like, as much as special teams might not matter to a lot of us, 
a blown special teams assignment matters a lot to us. National team today spent almost 45 minutes of their allotted two hours on special teams. I mean, this matters to these coaches. And especially when you're trying to distinguish yourself, it's really important. Look, take a look at the Packers of two years ago. They lost a game because their special teams just blew it. I mean, you need these guys. And especially when they're cheap, right? Because you could invest a pick, sure. But you need those picks to build depth at other positions. And so there are a lot of these receivers. Like the the corners in the first round or in the first set are just not fabulous. I would love to see more of them. Maybe some of it's that they're playing a whole lot of off man. And so you've got guys like Q Blue Kelly that I think that they can do better than they did today. You've got guys like um, you got others. A lot of the corners kind of get hung out to dry especially in that first practice. There's another one whose name I have completely lost, so we're just going to move on from there. Um, But the tight end, specifically Payne Durham, sticks out to me whenever I watch him. He looked just like he did at Purdue. I need to watch uh, Davis Allen, so I don't want to make any claims about him. But it's the American squad that I think really brought some interesting guys here, Q. Because we're looking at a great second corner option, maybe even first corner option if he develops a little bit in um, like within Eberflus's defense in Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. He's not as crazy physical. Like the, you're probably going to hear me talk about other corner names because guys like Julius Brents are demons in press man and they showed it. Guys like uh, Rez John Wright are handsy to the point of comedy in press man and i mean a good press man corner is fun to watch you know what i'm talking about darius rush has some game to him though i'm not the biggest fan in the world but stevenson in particular has good zone eyes he's good in man coverage he strikes me as that cover two cover four cover three corner that matt eberflus is looking at without being the cover one cover three specialist that a guy like julius brents might be better fit for in like a todd bowles defense or somewhere that plays a little more man right but the receivers is where this this side gets a little strange because i wanted to be more impressed by rashi rice than i think i am i mean Coming into this, I'd say Rashi Rice was my biggest question mark because on his tape, you could see explosion. You could see raw yardage. You could see a big body. And then he comes in and he measures Q at, I mean, we're talking about six foot flat. We're talking about 200 pounds. We're talking about probably high 4-4, maybe low 4-5 speed. We're not talking about a crazy amount of sudden movement. He's got wonderful contact balance. He imitates being bigger than he is, but does that sound like an X receiver to you? No. It doesn't really sound like one to me either. And so guys like Jonathan Mingo or Xavier Hutchinson that I think are going to get you a little more out of the Z spot than uh, Rashi Rice was suddenly become a bit more attractive to me. And hey, Rice has plenty of time to prove wrong. But within this theater, I think I expected him to battle a little bit better. And guys with higher agility were able to succeed a little bit better against these corners, especially in the team portion where a lot of things flipped on their head. That's what made this second practice so strange is that the initial drills, the one-on-ones, went heavily in favor of uh, not quite Rice. I'd say Rice was middling on both. He had a sweet 
one on one to finish out practice that I was legit really impressed by. So maybe he's got some momentum going into tomorrow. But Nathaniel Dell looked really, really good. Um, and then he went to team portion and disappeared. Jonathan Mingo looked like he was really struggling. I mean, his agility wasn't quite there. His one-on-ones were not going his way. He was getting bullied in man situations. He moves over to team portions and sands the first rep where Julius Brents uh, played him in catch man and just stoned him about 10 yards off the ball. He had like four catches and none of the other receivers could really generate much with the uh, with the quarterback, so to speak. And so I'm really curious to see what day two holds for this specific second group. I mean, they were all over the place. I think Dontavian Wicks can bring more than he did. I think the corners looked really, really impressive. I mean, they really did. And specifically, if I had to talk about safeties, because I didn't get the chance to watch safeties much tomorrow. We'll see what happens, Q, but I'm really between two fences on do I want to keep watching CBs and wide receivers, or do I want to shift over and watch tight ends and safeties a little bit more? Because I know guys like Luke Musgrave, Will Mallory, uh, Cameron Latu looked super smooth today. Braden Willis looks like a ball of athletic clay that they listed him as fullback for crying out loud here at the Senior Bowl. And he didn't break open a ton, but they didn't ask the tight ends to do a ton. And if you know Luke Musgrave's tape at all, you know that he is a ripper down the seam wildly fast. I mean, almost cartoonishly fast because in that he can't really break out of like, uh, off of that kind of crazy speed. But Sidney Brown out of Illinois is a safety that I really like. I'm bummed that Jair Brown, the safety out of Penn State, didn't end up taking his senior bowl offer because he was confirmed for quite some time. Christopher Smith out of Georgia made a play on an over route that cut a throw off and forced a sack uh, where Mingo would have otherwise been wide open. But other than that, I mean, this was... This was a really interesting day of football because I think I expected more dominance out of a lot of these second team's receivers, but the second team's corners came to play, man. And the first team, or like the first team, had some wide receivers that looked athletically dominant compared to their corners. Again, like Jaden Reed stuck out. He was nigh uncoverable, catching short balls, catching deep balls. He's a fighter. And he'll find a place in the NFL. But at the same time, Q, I mean, both of these positions, while super fun to talk about, are positions that I just don't know if the Bears are going to be spending capital on to get, honestly, either of these sets of guys. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, it's you just spent a second-round pick on Kyler Gordon. Yeah. Still have Jalen Johnson on the roster. I mean, you, pro- you might probably want to add a third, so you're not relying on Kindleville door, but it's not a priority. Right. There's a lot of other spots that need guys much more uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. And at wide receiver, I like you said, it's, it's a tough situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go sign Alan Lazard, you go sign uh, Jacoby Myers. and One of sit- the two, not both, right? Yeah, one of the two. <laughs> And you're sitting here saying, I just paid this guy all this money. I just extended Darnell Mooney. I just gave this pick for Chase Claypool. Like you said earlier, it's who's playing, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you got, you got to think about where's the, where's the money, where's the capital that's on the field. Right. And that the capital that you spent needs to be on the field at some point. And if you draft, say Jackson Smith Jigba, 
Like, yeah. you'll make room for that. Yeah. If you draft Jordan Addison, you'll make room for yeah. that. If you draft uh, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, I don't know a thing about A.J. Terry other than he's impressing a lot of people. If you draft Quinton Johnston, you'll make room for these guys. But Michael Wilson, an injury story, like, you're going to let him play his way onto the roster, and that may not be as immediate a need as, say, the Cody Whitehair-shaped hole at left guard. Or yeah. getting a right tackle. And who knows what the Bears are going to do in free agency. They've got, oh my gosh, millions of millions of dollars. I think they set a record for total amount of cap space going into an offseason. And it's quite a hefty record at that. And if not, then I apologize for reading a tweet wrong and I'll own that. Uh, I thought Riley Moss showed a little bit of corner. He may fall into like the fourth or fifth. Because I always think that if you can add a good DB, you should. Riley Moss in particular, he can play a little bit of man. But I actually think he makes a lot of sense. As a cover three, cover two corner, like the more I just stew on that, the more I think that makes a lot of sense for what the Bears want to do. But I mean, you and I both know they're going to be looking for a creme de la creme receiver. They're going to be looking for a skill position player, whatever way they can get one. Neither you nor I know a thing about running backs. So we'll be waiting on Danny Meehan's analysis and maybe Jacobs and getting into that as best we can. But I am really interested to see how this draft shakes out because, Q, if there's one uh, conversation that I think I want to close up on, right? Oh, and one more thing I will reiterate. Nathaniel Dell really did look fabulous. He er, he deserves his flowers for the way that he produced in, uh, in this practice today. I just still have deep doubts about a receiver at that size because when you've got such a sample size of 22 years of drafted receivers doing so little at that size in the NFL, I mean, I get it, Q, the NFL's always changing, but it's not changing that much, right? right? And and that's just something I'm not going to be able to get off my mind. And it's maybe, I don't know. I, I think that his Houston tape speaks for itself. I think that he had a fabulous day at the Senior Bowl, but I would actually put that in the category of that's an improper takeaway from something like the Senior Bowl, that a guy who has, a guy who is playing 50 pounds faster than all the corners that he's going against, shocker, yeah. looked faster. But when you put a corner on him, because the corners that are going to normally play against uh, Nathaniel Dell, we're all working with safeties. I mean, we're talking about Jay Ward. We're talking about guys listed here on our roster as DS, right? And so you're not getting, call it a fair one-on-one. And even in that position, Nathaniel is going to be bracketed by a linebacker on the inside, an outside corner on the outside, and a safety over the top of that nickel corner. Running routes from the slot just isn't what it is out on uh, out in the mobile practice field. And so I, I, as we close up, I'll tell you, to me, the most complicated part about talking about the Bears draft board is that we have no idea what picks they have. Like, we expect a decent haul from a trade down, but we don't know who they're trading down with. We don't know what they'll reasonably ask for. We legitimately do not know how many trade downs are on the table. I mean, we just don't know. And as much as I know it's never happened before for a team to trade down twice, I know I was talking with a guy who's really, really connected with the uh, Carolina Panthers, and we were just speculating, just shooting ideas around. And when I talked about potentially trading down with the Colts and if the Panthers would have interest in coming up to four, he stopped in his tracks and said, actually, that sounds really, really interesting. That makes way more sense for our team than trading up to number one. And 
That doesn't mean that anything's set in stone. It's more to point out that Q, we don't know if they have pick number 35. We can use it in our mock drafts all we want to, but that's Indianapolis's pick yeah. until uh, probably mid-March at the absolute earliest. We don't know if they'll trade down again at draft day. All we can do is assemble the board as best we can, and, and that's what we're going to yeah. do. I know there are a couple of these guys. To see Jaden Reed look like himself on the senior bowl practice field, I think is really important because while the big 10 is, is no slouch of a conference at all, seeing him carry that same level of competitiveness and frankly style on people a little bit harder than he did in college to me shows him his own ability to take a step forward given the moment. And I mean, Look, you and I both know this. Football, while it is a complex game, can be awfully simple. And you need players that are going to play better than usual in bigger moments. Get some of these big game Gabe kinds of guys, right? Yeah. And like past a certain point, you're just going to count on them because they're going to deliver for you when it matters. And I'm really interested to just continue to hear how you see this OL and DL class shape up because while there are some sweet receivers that could absolutely be a part of the future, I mean, it wouldn't be impossible for the Bears to take uh, a, a receiver and potentially carry seven. I mean, yeah. that's not unthinkable, right? But at the same time, you tend to either take an extra defensive back or take an extra receiver. And I'm just going to skew defensive back, yeah. <laughs> assuming Matt Eberflus for a little while. I mean, is there anything else that you want detail about that I haven't um, talked through? No, I don't think so. I, I think that, that that about covers it for uh, receiver and corner. Well, I know you said uh, your dilemma with choosing what positions to watch. I'm having a similar thing with uh, with O-line, D-line on the national team. Okay. I feel like the roster for O-line, D-line is very stacked on the national team. And I have to choose one side to really watch. And I like like I missed some guys today, like um, the uh, defensive tackle out of Mississippi State. He was out there, but I didn't notice him at all. And it's not because I don't think he was doing much. I think it's because I wasn't watching D line. Cameron Smith, I believe it is, or Cameron okay. Young. Um, but there are a handful of guys that like, I didn't notice Derek Hall today. It's because I was watching O line for O-line wins and losses much more than I was watching edge for edge wins and losses. Mm -hmm. And also he was with linebackers for a large portion of all that. Oh yeah. So I'm in this spot where I'm thinking, well, maybe to, to where I watched the uh, D-line on the American team much more and the O-line on the national team much more. I'm like, maybe I can just swap it. And then I'm like, but then I'm going to miss these other guys, are, I want to watch the O-line on the national team. Right. It's like the national team is just so stacked with these Pitts players that I need to find time within the day tomorrow to, to specifically dedicate to both O-line and D-line. And, so, and also find tight end in there. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's this, uh, this balance that we need to hit with, this, with these practices. And we'll do what we can. I mean, I think there are some sweet tight ends out here. Yeah. Like really, really sweet tight ends. And maybe more importantly, there are some specialty tight ends. To use an example, Payne Durham and Luke Musgrave are uh, two sides of the tight end coin where Musgrave is wickedly fast. If he runs a 4-4 or whatever is just really fast for a guy his size, we 
we are talking about somebody who's 6'5", 255, but he can fly. Turn on any of his tape from 2022, which is only two games because he, you know, ripped up his knee. And college doesn't really talk about uh, injuries, so we don't know any of the gory details, nor do I want to. But uh, it, it, you get one guy who is one of the best vertical seam weapons at tight end that I've seen in an awful long, awfully long time. Mm-hmm. You've got a more balanced tight end in a guy like Will Mallory that gives you a little bit who, more than you expect him to. Who you showed pretty me much last night, Yeah. And I was very, like, I I feel like if you just want a good tight end on your roster, Will Mallory is a great guy. Right. Borderline Jag, but also yeah. borderline Jack of all trades yeah. in the good way. Uh, yeah. And then you got a guy like Payne Durham who is snappy feet. He's really not going to be useful to get you more than eight yards on any reception. But he might that might be a core red zone re- interception or reception. That might be a core first down on third down. That might be he's gonna drag a pile with him as he moves and he blocks like a guard. <laughs> I mean And he's got a great name. Oh yeah. Payne Durham. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like Payne Durham. Yeah. It's it's awesome. And so it's cool seeing some of these guys shine, but I also don't think the Bears are gonna be moving in the tight end route. I mean Maybe they will, but historically speaking, the only time that we've really seen a team invest heavily at tight end, that would be Kmet's potential extension that we heard Ryan Poles refer to, and also invest heavily or in a second tight end was when the Eagles had at Zach Ertz and they invested in uh, Dallas Goddard. And what happened the immediate season after that cue? I'll finish the sentence for you. They traded Zach Ertz. So it's kind of a one tight end league right now. And if they do sign Cole Komet, that'll be a bummer and a heartbreaker for you and me who are covering the tight ends just because it's yeah. like, oh, good. They're almost certainly not going to draft <laughs> one. But there, there's some real studs in this class. Yeah. I mean, I Daniel Jeremiah and Dane Brugler have both talked about how a lot more tight ends are in their top 50s than they planned. And it feels like it's shaping out that way. I don't have a top 50, but a lot of these guys are can-play guys. Like, very, very much so oh, can-play yeah. guys. Mallory specifically you and i particularly watched uh we watched him convert a key third down and a key fourth down they pulled him off the field and the offense melted and three yeah. plays later they thought through the game losing interception uh so it's it's neat watching these tight ends that are carrying their rosters within uh college football and could potentially contribute heavily to the bears but we'll see I mean, wide receivers, corners. I'll see if I can't watch over the next couple days a little more safety tight end, and I'll see if I can't focus on the corners a little more. Uh, and, I mean, we'll we'll put out as much video as we're allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> like, phone battery is more precious than you realize, Bears fans. Uh, but it should be fun either way. Uh, Q, thank you so much for jumping on. Absolutely. This has been our first podcast episode of building the board and we will see you later bear down everybody and thanks so much for bearing with me